one of the gals goes, uh, foot, foot. Wait, right when she says, oh, foot, foot, somebody goes, foot, foot. Yeah, there's the backup foot, foot. Yeah, and I just imagine they're like emotionless because they don't have any like relationship with anything, you know, and they have weird like speaking patterns. Were they like straight up like honkies or were they like immigrants or something? Was there something going on with their voice? Or they're from New it- Hampshire. They were just like white chicks. Uh, yeah, they were, they were kept inside. I mean, they don't, that's why it's pure, man. You don't get it, dude. Oh, foot, foot. Like <laughs> the backup one is so weird. My pal, foot, foot. Foot, foot. He's, where will he go again? Foot, where foot. Where has he gone? Foot, foot. <laughs> foot, foot. Foot, foot. <laughs> It is so true. You are at Ear and Loathing. The Gitmo Bros bid you hello. Can you bid someone hello or is that only adieu? Yeah. <laughs> I think you can bid someone hello. <laughs> I think you should bid on the Gitmo Bros, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like a like a raffle. Or like an auction, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. like a dream date. Yeah, dream you know, date. Fo- foxy yeah. dream date, the do's yeah. and don'ts of dating of dating Daryl or whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called bid on your favorite Gitmo hunk. That's right. I went out with Georgie and all he did was hold my hand. (laughs) Hashtag disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is episode 61 and it is here in loathing. It's the show where we play shitty songs and then we play a good song and everybody's happy. Yeah. So um, I would like to start off by uh, a fine how do you do to my fellow Gitmo bros. Let's start off with the media, darling, and why don't you say hello? Hi, George White. Foxy. That's it. <laughs> Period. End of sentence. Wow. If you guys are wondering who's the foxy one on the show, it's George. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he is calling in from the North Star. He's my North Star. He is Foxy George's North Star. And he's all the lucky ladies who get to date the hunks North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! My guidance counselor asked me if I had any plans. I told her I was planning on putting it on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna graduate. Put it on the street. Gonna put it on the street. (laughs) When you kind of turned around and walked out of Ross, did you smack your ass? Yeah. Yeah, I said, get used to seeing this. <laughs> My plans are right here. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. Aaron's putting it on the street again. <laughs> Retirement plan. All right. So um, <laughs> I would like to uh, check in really quick with uh, some friends of ours who like to uh, check in with us. Look at that. Checking in back and forth. It goes both ways, folks. Here we go. How long before we get sick of that song? <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great song. All you have to do is peruse those lyrics 
real casually to pick up on a lot of exciting information. I mean, not our version, but the version. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and and as a result, for the MAGA freaks, did somebody just play that? And then, like they do when he makes dumb mistakes, they just act like that they meant that the entire time. You know, because I mean, these guys are all horrified of the gay scene and the gay lifestyle. And that song is all about the gay scene and the gay lifestyle. Sure, yeah. Oh, in the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was for a time like a theme song. There's an underlying thing about the attraction of guys like him. Right. And it's really all about so-called strength. I'm not saying he's a, he's a giant pussy, but it's this perception of strength. And a macho man, just the name of the song is That Surface. To me, the, my analysis is That Surface. There's You're no depth right, to it. Yeah. It's just, he's a macho man. Ergo, I follow him, you know? So, gay rage is what you're saying. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's YMCA is their song, right? So, I, I was thinking Macho Man, but I was thinking about uh, YMCA. But, like, ma- oh. but YMCA is the same. It's the same. Yeah. Where, where they hang out, do whatever you feel. Oh, yeah, do whatever you feel. Get a good meal. <laughs> hang out with all the boys. YMCA is the only song that might be more gay scene centric than Well, then macho in the man. Navy as well. In the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> YMCA, they ain't talking about playing basketball, okay? <laughs> you can always get a hot meal in a, in a, in a do you notice it? You're always a hot meal in a, uh, in a village people song. They're always right, talking yeah. about a nice hot yeah. meal. Yeah, always. <laughs> sausage, sausage sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, here's the thing about the Gitmo mail sack, mail bag. We still haven't decided what it's called, but I like saying sack. It's funny. Um, mail, the concept of mail, it goes both ways. You can send to and you can receive mail, right? Is that it works? I would like to uh, do a little shout out to a couple of nations on this great planet Earth of ours. Now, as we know, we are wildly popular in the good old United States of America, sure. where if you don't understand that, you should get out old glory and start counting stars. Yeah, you get the stars and bars, dude. That's right. Yeah, the, the bars where they play village people, for instance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> popular there, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's our number one demo is the good old Americans, you know, of which we include ourselves in that group. But guess what? There are two nations that are battling it out for number two. And I'm talking big, fat, juicy numbers. And I would like to shout out two great nations. I'm talking about my Kiwi friends, and I'm talking about my Dane friends. That would be New Zealand and Denmark. Yeah. To battle royale to who will be the uh, number two, because uh, they're they're neck and neck at this point, really. And who's going to be the number two fan nation for uh, for the Gitmo Bros. So thank you to our friends in New Zealand and in Denmark. You know what's funny is just this episode that dropped as we record this today, which would be the uh, Promised You a Miracle and the Jesus, Dear Mr. Jesus, and then, uh, <laughs> and then the Shag, that which episode. Yeah. Episode 60 just dropped today, and... Up until today, Denmark was smoking New Zealand. I mean, it was it, Denmark was clearly our number two uh, listening demographic. But guess what? New Zealand came storming back. It's the <laughs> Hobbit power. It's the it's the uh, the One Ring to rule them all, and they are now almost ruling Denmark. Thank you. The shagheads over there is what I understand. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it seems a uh, sex farm is on the charts in Denmark. <laughs> One of you. Get those reforming. What to reforming? Do a tour of by the grace of your hand of of Kiwi land. <laughs> so thanks to you guys. Now we've got some runner ups here. I should say the third tier uh, would be the UK. Cheerio, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. neighbors up north, the Canadians. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Deutsch, the great Deutsch folk of Europe, yeah, yeah. The, the Germans. Ich bin ein Berliner. The Irish and the Polish and the Spanish and the Italians are all kind of like vying for a position as well, but they're all kind of knotted up. But we've got the first tier, which is proud to be an American. And then we've got... USA. USA. Are the Poles hot to trot for us now because of the sweet Lech Walesa mention the other day? That had to be it. Yeah. The algorithm picked up on that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Thank you to uh, Denmark. Thank you for deigning to listen to us. Nice, Damon. Yeah. It'd be easy to tour New Zealand. There's only a couple of cities. We could do we could do that in a second. Yeah. Whoever wins gets the tour. That's whoever get by yeah. six episodes. There's only like episodes. 37 people in New Zealand. And of those people, I think we've got like 22 of them. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Those downloading madmen of New Zealand. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so anyway, thanks to you guys. Seriously, we, we love it. And we love hearing from you. You can email us at earandloathing at gmail.com. And I think you can message us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And there's also a form on the website at earandloathing.com where you can just fill out a message and send it off in the click of a button. So thanks to you guys. Uh, and that's my mail sack. I'm sending a letter, a love letter, if you will, to New Zealand and Denmark. And the rest of you guys get your shit together and start listening more. All right? Number one rockers forever. <laughs> and thank you. That's the episode. All right. So <laughs> now we all know that your pal Damon is in the torture chamber this week. Yeah. Ooh. And that means I get my very own blank sheet, my own, uh, you know. Tabula rasa. Th- thank you. Thank you, George. <laughs> carte blanche. That's what I was thinking of. Carte blanche. Yep. So anyway, I get my own wide open kibitz corner, but before I do, I have to pass the test. These two fellas, now, as you recall, Clem Clemson, mm. we're all familiar with him and, and his, uh, his hillbilly greatness, but suddenly someone else appears, Mr. Goober Notorial is now part of the show as well. Goobs on the banj. Yeah. So <laughs> on his knee, by the way, on his knee. Yeah. He came from Alabama. With Five the strings in the knee. truth. <laughs> and uh, so these guys are going to usher me in to the. More like five corner. strings and a tooth. Am I right, guys? Yes. Hey, come on. Yeah. Nice. I had to. Here we go. Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Hi, Clem. hi goober so i think i owe you guys something this was promised a while back and i never got around to it for x y and z reasons it doesn't matter but you know i like to fulfill my promises so here we go (laughs) i miss this so much i was laughing about it the other day Stop there. You want me to stop there? No, no, no. no. We could have. <laughs> no, I got to hear the end. I should have. I should have stopped. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, past George could have made some editing decisions. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have got to my favorite, which was we were young and dumb and full of cum, right? Yes. We are good most. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on. This is this song definitely builds. This is like You're a right. bohemian it's rhapsody. Glorious. Of God, God, we have to thank Guy. Guy's so great for doing this. For yeah, us. I know. Yeah, he's, a fucking, he's, he's a hero. <laughs> when we were younger. Some songs when we were dumb and full of calm. We wrote some songs not too many have heard. We wrote some songs, we wrote some songs. We are Gitmos! We wrote some songs! Him. And ends triumphantly. The whole thing is just a masterpiece for as far as it's I'm like concerned. he parachutes fucking Sammy Agar style into the room for the very end. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. We wrote some songs as a segment where the three Gitmos have all written in songs in our past. And, you know, we're, we think we're kind of hot shit strutting around making fun of other people's music. Well, we're going to open up our lives to you and you can tell us what you think of our songs. So, so far, George did one by his. What would you call it? Like your hair metal band uh, from the... Yeah, Shadcar. Shady, Shady character. character. And that was in 19... What year was that again? That was uh, 86, and that was the Bitch of Berlin. Bitch of Berlin, <laughs> correct. And then Aaron weighed in with... Uh, now, remind me of the year that was. Sweet Dickie Bingo from 2002, I think. Yeah. Right. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, cool. By me and the lads uh, from the Dalton Grand Experience. For All sure. Of us. Yes, and uh, so I mentioned this song in one of our episodes when we were listening to one of my sorbets, and it was Binky Shapiro and Adam Green. And they had a producer work on their album, which I loved because it sounded so retro. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote his people a letter about about a song and asked if, they, if he could be hired to produce it because I just loved his production style. Mm. It ended up not happening. I think it was a lot of money that I didn't have at the time and probably still don't. <laughs> you wrote them a letter, and then they also wrote you a letter with a response in it. And the response was a number that was out of reach. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they had to send two emails because there were so many zeros at the end of their quote. <laughs> See, other email. <laughs> Continued, other side. Over for more. <laughs> so I had this song that I liked, and I felt like, oh, this could have a, a kind of retro sound to it. And I'm going to play you that song right now, the final version. I ended up being pretty happy with the production of the song. And as I listen to it now, it doesn't sound really retro. And we can get into, you know, picking that apart if you guys want to. But um, what was the era of this? Oh, good question. It was almost exactly 10 years ago, 2013, I believe June of 2013. I know Aaron's heard this song. There's one part in particular that, that you grabbed onto that we'll talk about once it gets going. And I'm going to send you guys the lyrics. And the thing about this song that I didn't know at the time when I wrote it, but I was sort of writing about the end of my original music endeavors, meaning not my original music career because I didn't have one, but just writing songs, you know, recording and producing them and then putting them out in some form, whether it was you in the old days, it was a CD or, or later it just became putting it on iTunes or for downloads and stuff, CD baby, that whole ritual. Mm -hmm. um, 
I haven't done that since this song. You know, I still dabble in cover bands and stuff and, and do some creative stuff here and there. But sitting down and writing a song hasn't been a thing I've done since this song, as I recall, that I felt like was, a you know, representing me and my art, if that makes <clears> sense. So when I read the lyrics back, I went, I was sort of foretelling <laughs> the fact that this is, the, this is it. This is kind of like the line of demarcation in my, in my right. music projects. Not that I'm not opposed to or, or wouldn't sit down and write another song. I think that'd actually be pretty fun. Uh, I just, it's just, there's no time in the day, as you guys know. But I would totally do that, and it maybe in my future. But for now, this is the end of the road for me. And, you know, when you hear the lyrics, I'm going to send you guys the lyrics. It sounds like a song of frustration, and I imagine it was at the time when I wrote it. But it also, what I liked about it as I revisited it, it was very cheeky, and it was also critical of myself. I could lash out at other factors that were what I felt were keeping me from enjoying any sort of success or progress. But I like the fact that I was self-aware enough to look at myself and go, hey, asshole, it's partly you as well. So <laughs> so why don't I just start the song? And when I start it, I'll send you guys the lyrics because I like them a lot. Um, and I'll sort of explain it as we go. And there's some really, really good players on here. But let's get this going. Let's do it. This is a song called Nothing Happening Here. And let's go. All right. We tell ourselves our best is what we do. Is it really, baby? Is that true? So those first lines, uh, we tell ourselves our best is what we do. Is it really, baby? Is that true? I think what I was thinking at the time was, I will sit here and, and complain that like all my efforts aren't paying off. But then you you go, did you did I put enough hours today? You know, promoting my song or rehearsing or oh, yeah. And so I'm already going. We all act like we work so hard at everything, whether it's our day jobs or our music passions or whatever it is. And then you do some self-assessment. You go, I probably didn't have to drink 14 beers last night. You know, <laughs> I probably could have done something else. So that was just me being annoyed with myself. It's like, did I, did I do enough mm-hmm. today? Anyway. We enter confident and justified. Things are broken down and nullified. I hit rock bottom and it I was left outside the inside track. That's a group of lyrics. I'll recite them for listeners. We enter confident and justified and exit broken down and nullified. That's just you being young and, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when you start playing music. Like Aaron and I were kids and just the world was just laid out in front of us. Right. And then and then at the end, you're like broken down old man. <laughs> <laughs> sort of embittered and stuff. I mean, and nullified. Yeah, null. And you just feel like, yeah, none of this paid off. Like it's completely done, you know. And then I hit rock bottom, and it hit me back. I was left outside the inside track. That's just me, you know, trying to be cutesy and clever with lyrics. <laughs> it is cutesy and clever. I like the the, the <laughs> harmony that happens between the the vocal line and the music. In I hit rock bottom. It's very cool. Oh, thanks. Very uh, sophisticated and lovely. I love this melody already. Speaking of John Lennon, it's what it feels like to me already. Oh, good. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This kind of got kind of an island thing going on, and it, like it's uh, not unlike a lot of the stuff he was doing around the starting over uh, yeah, right. time. Oh yeah, 
because you wrote a ton of most of like woman and all those songs on a boat. So a lot of them have a bit of a, like a island vibe, and this sounds like there's that. even one on that album on Double Fantasy where it starts with like waves on the shore mm-hmm. or something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good company to keep. It's good company to keep. All right, chorus coming up. It all makes sense now. It's exactly clear. What happened is there's nothing happening here. Uh, that's just I'm pretty self-explanatory. It all makes sense now. It's mm-hmm. exactly clear. What happened is there's nothing happening here. I don't know if I need to explain that anymore, but it just, I like the way it's scanned. What happened is there's nothing happening here. Just fit nice and smoothly into that melody. Sure does. I'll talk real quick about the the players on this. Um, I'll start off with the bass and drums, which is, oh, no one, me. <laughs> the And I remember the thing that Aaron uh, connected with when I played the song for him and I told him, oh, yeah, the bass, I was really wanting to do a Tina Weymouth kind of talking heads bass line. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and so this is just a very sparse minimal if there's a bridge where it changes but other than that it's the, that's the entire song is that bass line and I I just love the notion that you don't change a bass through the entire song and it's very and also very It feels way busier than it is. I meaning meaning that it seems um not busy. It seems it, it seems more party than it is because it's just like a stone groove. It's 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 right where it needs to be all the time and nothing extra, nothing more. But it's always moving. Right, yeah. It. And I'm not certainly not a real bass player, quote unquote. I I got pretty proficient at sitting down in a studio and playing parts. And sometimes I've, I would have to punch myself in or later just edit it. But I was good at coming up with the part. I couldn't play it live on stage, even though it's a pretty simple part. I would just completely clam it. But without the pressure of playing it live, it's it was fun and fairly easy for me to come up with cool guitar parts, bass parts, keyboard parts, or whatever. So I'm, I was kind of like a idiot savant <laughs> when it came to playing <laughs> stuff. The 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 drum part was, was super fun for me. I recorded that over at my friend Mike Flanagan's rehearsal studio, and he's also on this as a guitar player, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Just kind of a crappy old dumpy place downtown. Like, you'd pull up at the place, and it smelled like rotting fruit because there would be like a guy had a painting studio and Mike had his music studio, which also served as an apartment for this traveling musician that he knew. And they also process fruit like downstairs. <laughs> it's like a weird, really weird industrial area of downtown LA, kind of East LA almost. And so we recorded this drum part there and I had to really convey what I was trying to do, which was very tribal, specifically no symbols whatsoever. In fact, I think I even left them at home. Because I didn't want to be tempted to use the cymbals or the hi hat, right. so you're not going to hear anything but toms. And I think I even took the snare off off the snare drum, so it, even the snare sounds pretty tribal. Peter Gabriel was all about that. Yeah, I, I probably lifted that idea from from him and 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 Phil Collins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I think I've told this anecdote. I don't know if I've told it on the show, but. If you guys remember, you do showcases at clubs yeah. just to kind of um, move the bands on and off the stage. They would have what they call a backline, which is amps and, and a drum set. And you never knew as the drummer what you were supposed to bring. Sometimes they had the full kit with cymbals and, and a kick pedal and everything. And sometimes they just had a kick and a snare. And that was sometimes no throne at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, you never knew. So you end up, would end up bringing your whole kit anyway and then just like yeah. running outside and grabbing what you needed. Yeah. But this one drummer didn't have cymbals because he thought when he heard, oh, they've got a drum set there, he just didn't bring anything. And so I watched him play and it made his sort of like generic grungy band go from, oh, guy with wide open hi-hat, you know, doing the Dave Grohl to suddenly this drummer's having to kind of improvise playing on just toms. 
And it totally made him stand out from the other bands that were playing there. I just thought, well, that's a cool sound. And most guys just kind of like by default will just out of just uh, comfort, just play on the, on the cymbals and hi-hat and stuff. So anyway, that's what I wanted to achieve in the song. And so that's me just kind of improvising through the whole thing. I believe in the, uh, in the bridge, which is a change in the song, I, I start doing kind of a four on the floor, which is pretty cool. But um, anyway, that's the bass and drums so far. So you can listen. To I that. thought you were going to say after the fruit story that you played like um, like a empty strawberry box and a cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> I played a couple of guavas. <laughs> I like it, Damon, because it's got that kind. Because you did what you did like yeah. that. It's all very um, warm as fuck. It's like warm and round. It's a great sound because of that. There's no, you know, it never gets higher trebly. So it, it just stays warm and round and, and, and awesome. It feels like a, it's a very comfortable song to it's listen what this to. this needs. Yeah. Oh, right. cool. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this poor boy who's wrote it and singing is having a hard time. He needs some comfort for sure. That's right. <laughs> warm and round indeed. It's the tomato <laughs> soup of songs. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, verse two. Says I don't belong. So many ways we tried to reconnect. Never worked, but what did you expect? All right, those lyrics are: I'm wired up and my signal's strong, yet my network says I don't belong. So many ways we try to reconnect. It never works, but what did you expect? That was just me uh, expressing frustration. The, the promise of social media, the promise of internet marketing yourself right i don't need a record company yeah it's all bullshit you know right and in fact part of that i remember um the so many ways we try to reconnect it wasn't even about you know no one finds my music on youtube or whatever it was that moment when facebook started proliferating everywhere and and then you would hear from people from like grade school because i have a very distinctive name i'm not that hard to find yeah not 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 so many Damon Pipitones in the world. <laughs> right, five hundred George Whites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I would get these these friend requests from someone whose name I hadn't heard in fucking thirty years, and I'm like, oh man, we that guy was so awesome. I, I can't wait to reconnect with this guy because, and I would send him a me- I would approve the friend request and send him a message saying, hey man, are you still in South Pass? Because I'd love to hook up with you sometime. Fucking crickets. That must have happened about a dozen times. So I finally learned my lesson that people just wanted to collect friends. They didn't really care that much that, you know, you could maybe actually reconnect with someone based on this newfangled thing we called social media. So, right. Yeah. Other than just see what they had for dinner that night. Yeah. It was a lot of that <laughs> shit, you know? And what, what, what's the stuff in the background? The vocals in the background between the, what, what, what's that? That was me just going, nothing happening here. It's exactly clear. Just re- repeating the chorus lines, nice. which thank you for pointing that yeah. out. I, that's the one thing that I wish I hadn't done because I, I was listening back to a demo of it and there was a really nice little keyboard going do, 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 do. Friend, for some reason I decided that wasn't working and I would just do it vocally. And it's just weird that I made that decision because I wouldn't do it that way now. Although yeah. I don't, I don't hate it. It's just sort of like, it was odd that I, went that way with it so i don't think it pulls focus from the lead vocal or anything so like it's not it doesn't mess it up or you know have too much action going on there it's still the lead still has its place you know cool. so i think it's a it's a good addition i want to hear it more i want to hear more of it i want to hear it <laughs> turn be, it up more clearer yeah right yeah. i could just sing it right now do you george if you want yeah just do it in the moment go <laughs> <laughs> and then i'll do it and then you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll do it in rounds. I guess we don't have a choice if we're on Zoom. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go into the end of this verse. People look scared of things I say Until someone else tells them it's okay that's very arrogant line on my part. Uh, people look askance at things I say until someone else tells them it's okay. My friend John Dunmore has the same problem. With, I think that's why we, we became really good friends because we would, we say things, at, believe it or not, I say things in mixed company that either infuriates people or makes them not want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like observations about life. And because everyone is so sensitive about things that you, you can't really express an opinion without them thinking you're a monster. And, um, I went through this period when I would I would say things and people would get mad at me about religion or you name it. I don't I don't even remember what the things were at the time. But then I'd be hearing someone else say it like six months later, you know, and not that I was some sort of wise sage, like predicting like Nostradamus or something. But I just went, well, I got so much shit for saying that. And now everyone just agrees with it anyway. That's so that I just kind of annoyed the fuck out of me. <laughs> Uh, it was my own little personal battle I was fighting, I guess, in the lyrics there. It's a very clever line. It, to me, it reminds me, uh, it seems like an Elvis Costello-y little couplet right there. It's a great compliment. Uh, yeah. It's sort of halfway between, like, to me, it's very funny to me. Be, like, it's, it's also like sort of like a Randy Newman, like how Randy Newman will do like a racist character and say something outrageous. And then he says, like, You're, you were pissed at me when I said that, but then I heard you saying the same shit. You know, like your true colors were exposed. And in, and that's, it's funny in that same kind of way where, you know, you're saying like, yeah, I said some combustible stuff at the time, but you know, it becomes, <laughs> it becomes the popular opinion down the road. And I was just, a, I was a pioneer in aggravating you. That's right. Okay, Aaron, I'll admit it. I was recruiting for clan meetings. So that was, <laughs> that was my intention. And look, I got a great bleach that's guy. That's the subtext. <laughs> That's what you're saying in the background. It's not it's not the chorus. It's join the clan. Join the clan. They will not replace us. <laughs> oh my god. That lunatic theory is what it's saying. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so we're about to kick back into the chorus and then into- I love the fucking battle total flat up Me too, yeah. I love it too. It's a rad hook. Thanks, guys. Um, and then we'll we'll get into the bridge, which I, I like as well. Um, but here we go. It all makes sense now, it's exactly clear. What happened is there's nothing happening here. You know, it's kind of got like a fucking calliope's the wrong word, but like a uh, like a Ferris wheel kind of like the, it's the uh, that guitar picking thing that's happening. It's very ethereal, and it's kind of got a real circus in town vibe too going on where like the dichotomy of like there's nothing happening here but like all of this activity is happening you know what i mean but like not to me well like you said it's round that's what it yeah. is it's round yeah yeah, yeah. Right. yeah i like it it's funny you say that because the, the bridge coming up is about taking the makeup off and i was the clown in the circus but now we're just we're taking the big top down and it's over was so. that the video damon yeah where, didn't you have the, the makeup on right mm-hmm. yeah there's a right, video okay, for this yeah, yeah, i'll, yeah, I'll yeah, send yeah. you the link george I remember that. Oh I my like god! That. I can't wait to see the video for this. Is it a video? Awesome. It's yeah. It's it's very melancholy. <laughs> a shocker coming from you. Yeah. Melancholy. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about the guitars because I have a little a little presentation for you. But I'll, I'll wait till the bridge is over because there's a point to it. And uh, here we go, bridge. 
harmonizing with there that was me was just you yeah i think i was doing three parts three part harmonies there nice that was great that's exactly what i expected in that part and it delivered perfectly (laughs) cool (laughs) okay so what we're hearing let me get into a little bit of this guitar that just started that we can now hear very clearly and this is going to kind of go back to what aaron was saying about the calliope thing so here we go Okay, so I mentioned Mike Flanagan before. Guy's a killer multi-instrumentalist, plays virtually every Irish instrument, uh, great guitar player. He plays bass with us sometimes in the the Irish band. Um, And so I just said, you know, thanks for recording the drums, but also while you have the tracks over there, could you come up with stuff on the, you know, on whatever you feel it needs? And so he came up with that little acoustic riff only for that section, okay? So I heard it and I went, well, that's the whole song. And I looped him playing that from the very beginning of the song. And then it sort of like added this beautiful foundation throughout the whole thing. He was very surprised. He didn't, he did, He just thought that was a throwaway part that I probably wouldn't even use. What I want to do, because I love when they do this on like classic albums or something where they kind of break down the little parts. Right. You know, so I just have a little chunk of each little part that's going on of just the guitar. So I can, and then I'll play all of them for you at the end. But here's, here's uh, Mike's acoustic that we just heard. actually two acoustics one on each side and then uh here's one of the calliope sounds that aaron mentioned this is kind of just me finger picking very standard for following the chords so here's this all right and then I was, you know, as you sometimes do when you're just recording, and uh, Aaron probably does this all the time on, on his jams, um, you just start fucking around. And I found this different position to play the song in, also finger-picking, and then I uh, just was, am doing this at, along with those other two you just heard. Very sad little part. And then my friend Pete Attard uh, from Battersea in the UK, he, I, I, whenever I record stuff, I always get him in because he's just like a fun kind of like punk pop British guitar player. Aaron's been on a couple songs that he's been on. In fact, has even been there when Pete was recording stuff. I like his playing. And he's just perfect blend of like, I have something in my brain and he gets it right away. And, and uh, he's very good at those kind of like harmony, Buddy Holly style little riffs and stuff. So here's Pete doing a harmonic over the things that I just played you. And then you put those all together. Here are the four guitar parts. Aaron's dead on. It's like that kind of circusy, calliope, grinding Ooh, kind yeah, of thing, the right? World's saddest carnival. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those things too. When you when you hear that right away, you can almost hear the crowd going ah, like they know it's that song. Like, <laughs> Like right away, you know what that is, right? Yeah. It's really nice. It's, it's very pleasant. It reminds me sort of uh, isolating the picking things. It sounds the, uh, particularly that one where it was the odd harmony with the different position, reminds me of like a Paul Simon move, 
you know, like he has like those, his stuff can be just so like unbelievably sad, but because it's so pretty, you find it uplifting and you could listen to it in a casual way and not like start sobbing. Yeah. Like only, only living boy in New York is that way to me. Sure. I'm halfway to sobbing anytime <laughs> it's on, but because it's so pretty, I go, ah, it's, it's not all it's that sad. <laughs> Just while we're here in the bridge, Pete also did this really nice, like West Montgomery lick over the bridge, the, the big top bridge. So let me just play you this while we're here and then we'll move on. <laughs> I love that shit. It's yeah. a very piano-y part. Like yeah, for sure. Like a piano part. It's sort of lovely. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to uh, do this song also, I, you guys did this too. It's, it's just featuring your bros, your music bros that you yeah. play with. And just going, look at this yeah. fucking guy. That's why like, when people tell me like Clapton, I'm not joking when I say, I just don't give a fuck about his guitar solos. I've played with the guys that are as good, if not better, than Eric Clapton. And I'm not saying that facetiously. There's so many good musicians out there that just never got a break. You know, they're still doing it. And um, yeah. and I'm just happy that I could get to feature Mike and Pete on this as well, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, totally know that. So let's roll t- into the end here because we got one last verse. And I, I, I like the lyrics in this as well. We'll chat about it. You got hooked, baby, you got hit. While you were looking around for other shit. Okay, going between this line and the next line. Obviously, the, the word hook and the word hit are, are about the music industry. And it's sort of like Aaron's thought about, oh, wait, we're doing some pretty cool, like, kind of pop punk music over here. And I got to go up against fucking Paul Abdul, you know, like, it's it's bad enough that there's enough people doing good music and then all, but that shit is popular. Oh, fuck. So I always, it was very arrogant of me to go, hey, man, I'm writing hits and hooks over here. And you're, you're going with (laughs) whatever other crap is going on. (laughs) So that's that line. So that's criticizing the industry. Then I turn around and I turn it back on myself, which I really like. Trove of intellectual property Dragon sort of rubbish and debris A a trove of intellectual property, a dragon's hoard of rubbish and debris You know how you archive everything? All your CDs and your multi-tracks that you did And then, uh, you know, I was into writing screenplays for a while It's all carefully put away I got all my fucking copyrights and my trademarks and everything It's all garbage! What am I doing with this shit? So that's that's your mind, though, the way your mind works. So like if you were in at that time, if you were in a working band, you would have put all your all that energy would have been going towards that, you know, and and short of that, you're like, well, what are you going to do with all that energy? Box set. That box set. That's what (laughs) Georgie and I are the same way. Like, like we fucking fucking two and a half years. It was like, I mean, not all of them were great, but like 70 songs. It's like it's a lot. It's a fucking lot. Like we have every version of it. Yeah, like just like <laughs> at a breakneck speed, something every week. Da 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 da. Because like, because if Georgie was working on a show, or if I had been in a band, like all of your energy goes to that. But like, short of that, like you don't just turn off the faucet. And so I remember you used to be morose about that, Damon. Like. I have to step over Mona's CDs. Like, what? <laughs> why am I doing this? We broke up 15 years ago. What is this? Yeah. There was a time in, in my old apartment where a lamp was sitting on boxes of CDs. 
Yeah, of course. We covered it with like a, you know, a nice blanket or something. So it looked okay, but underneath was just fucking packed boxes full of old CDs that I did nothing to do with them. You can't every throw them away. Every single musician understands every like as long as they are only a, like around our age. Yeah. Every single person has that. Every everybody. Oh, yeah. And it's the dragon's horde, like Smog mm-hmm. the Dragon from Lord of the Rings speaking of New Zealand. Hi guys. What's up nerds? He's he's sitting in this mountain just on a pile of gold. Right. But my shit isn't a pile of gold. I guess that was the point. It's like, what am I doing? With, like, who gives a fuck? Do I give just a fuck? stuff in your know. garage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm so glad Aaron just said that thing, like, where you just, you can't just stop. That's the next line. Balloons don't pop, it doesn't work that way. You cut the string and watch it drift away. Drift away. You also are thinking to yourself, it's over. It's done. I'm just, you know. Calling the band, it's done. I don't. I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to go whatever you want to do, travel, or I'm going to go make more money, or whatever. You can't. You never. You're always in. Look, it's us doing this right now. Is right. is that? Exactly. Is, a, yes, is us still exactly. being in it? Yep, and yep. Uh, and so you can't just pop the balloon and it's over. It's like you you just sort of like watch it drift away. You know. Well, there's the juice in the creation of the thing, and like you know, I mean, short of having some other horrible addiction. This is where the juice is, like getting, having it come out, listening back to it, sharing it with somebody else. Somebody else says it's okay. Then that, like, that juice is irreplaceable and goddamn gold, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly powerful and, and seductive. I love that song, man. It makes me very happy. You know what else it also reminds me of? I was thinking about is that maybe it's because you put Tina in my brain, but the, um, it sounds like the last two records, like something off of Little Creatures, or Naked, the Talking Heads, the last two Talking Heads records. Yeah. Not so much off of True Stories, but very much could have been on Little Creatures, where it's this little tiny song, like no big horns, no nothing, but it's just this very catchy melody, and it's got a vibe. Like, you're, you traffic in that. Your your lyrics are great, much like David Byrne's lyrics are great, and, like, they, they, they it reminds me of that, which is also incredible company to keep. Like, you know, you just... You've always had that ability to, I've always loved your writing in that way. And it was so different than mine, which is what I loved about putting things together with you. You know, I love it. I love it so much. Cool. Thanks. Uh, one last chorus to get out of here. I like this fill that I accidentally did too. Going back in when the song kicks back in. It all makes sense now. It's exactly clear. It's no Ray Cooper. <laughs> this could use some tambourine out. That was going to be my note. <laughs> and I know a guy, so. And then, whomp, whomp, and there's a truck outside that's full of tambourines. <laughs> all right, here we go. This this is almost over. Happened is there's nothing happening here. Happened is there's nothing happening And wow, yeah! <laughs> you were a, a, a great, huge artist, and that was the last song. And then you died. That would be awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be like, "Oh my god, it's so poignant." He knew, and it is anyway. It's so what, what I love about it, Damon, or every all good pop music is that it um, it's familiar but not derivative. 
Like, you know where that's going. I know where that, the second I heard that melody, I'm like, oh, I get this right away. I know what you're doing. I know what the next thing's going to be. I loved it. That's the reason I love it the most. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that was a, a skill that Tom Petty really, in the last yep. probably 20 years yes. of his career, you're like, how did he land on that simple, beautiful, catchy little melody? How come no one else has ever got that before? He, he must have done that on a dozen hits. Oh, my God. Exactly. Yeah. Learning to fly melody, the uh, free fallen melody. Like, he just kept doing those over and over again. So I, I kind of feel like... This song is, I'm certainly not saying it, you can compare it to, uh, to Tom Petty, but it's yeah. go, just going for the simplest melody possible. Sometimes it's the best thing to do, you know? But you don't yeah. go, oh, this sounds just like, you know, that's a rip off of the, it's not. I can't think of anything that it, you know what I mean? It's just familiar, but not derivative. We love it. Amen. There you go. Mm. We wrote some songs. We wrote some songs when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> we are Gitmos. <laughs> now, I know you guys woke up this morning and you're going, you know... Damon, weeks ago, maybe even months ago, said he would do a, we wrote some songs for us because we put our balls over the fence, George and Aaron were saying, possibly yeah. to each other. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now that I've presented this to you, um, do you feel like uh, something has been fulfilled here for you? I got an answer. I'll tell you that. Ooh, what is that? I have my answer. <laughs> I have my answer. I have my answer. The first one was George, and the second one was Aaron. Yes. We have our answer. We have our answers. We're each a lens in Michael Caine's glasses. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I feel like if you made an album, that should be the title of it. This song should be, be called Michael Caine's Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would understand what you meant. Of course they would. Of course they would. All right, guys. So there you go. Now, that was a very long kibitz but you you know why of course yeah you're trying to uh, here's my song and don't throw me down here yeah yeah i mean poor little damon with his sad little career i guess we won't torture him today (laughs) fuck that here we go torture chamber okay i'm not gonna bullshit you okay i don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know but i'm gonna torture you anyway suffering All right, so here I am in the torture chamber, and I did a little math. The government Mm. sent me a booklet from Pueblo, Colorado. A a pamphlet? (laughs) Yes. I sent a self-addressed stamped envelope to Pueblo, Colorado, and the math came back. And uh, so episode 60, our pal Aaron was in the torture chamber, and I went first with Power Source, and George went second with the Shags, which I believe... (laughs) If I consult my calculator, that George should go first today. That sounds right. I was just laughing that I forgot that band was called Power Source. <laughs> Power Source. <laughs> Mr. <Dope>. Jesus, Power <laughs> Source. Dear Stupid. Mr. Jesus. The stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> God, I forgot that. All right. So George has a torture song for me. And uh, let, why don't you talk it up here? I will. Um, my getmos know this, that, you know, when you're doing this and you have the responsibility of looking for something, you know, and it can, it can be hard. We're, we're 61 in here, you know, and oh, sometimes yeah. it just feels like we've done everything. I can't, you know, I can't. And you're like panning around for gold, like that one golden turd. And you look <laughs> at all these places in different corners and whatever. 
And then occasionally you uncover this thing and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> in the least likely place, my God, I found this. And this is uh, that song. And I can't believe I found it. Um, you guys, I don't know you. You don't. I don't think you'd be familiar with this song, but you certainly know who this group is. Um, though you may not have listened to them, but you'll know exactly who they are. <laughs> um, and it's from 1978. And so let's just play a little of it, and then I will tell you the uh, the background of this. That we'll put it all in perspective of just what went wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Yep. Welcome to the magical Disneyland Electrical Parade. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 got a little bit of an instrumental opening as these guys do, but there's some they're singing though. In wait okay. till you hear it. All right. These guys love to hear themselves play. Oh boy, do they. Do you know what this is yet? Or who this is? I do. I don't know if Aaron does. Aaron, do you know? Mm-mm. Okay. You got to keep it secret? He's kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, you look so hungry, woman. I come you straight in here with your eyes so bright on this long, hot night. This was probably big in the in the discos back then. Really danceable. This is um, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <laughs> this song is called "Taste of My Love." <laughs> I bet we we're going to get some pushback from Andrew Lawrence Levy on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you fucks! The song rules. <laughs> the lyrics are just so great here. So if you if you missed that, it was. Um, I know you're hungry for some loving. Yeah. Oh, you look so hungry, woman. How come you straighten here with your eyes so bright on this long, hot night? Could it be for a taste of my love? (laughs) (laughs) And so this is from... She's just out on the streets fiending for his love. This, Well, no, he'll explain to you where where she's from. And so uh, this is from their last record uh, entitled Love Beach. And... And Damon has the the cover there, which yeah. is of great controversy. <laughs> Aaron, I I beseech you to go find the cover of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Love Beach. And, and when you look at it, remember, these are the guys that did fucking the brain salad surgery. These are the, you know, these are prog rock guys, you know, with the scary music, if you will, and concertios and all the things they did. And then they did this cover. <laughs> I've I've used this as a as a look at this and made some kind of joke to uh, my the thread that I'm in with Andy and Dalton Show. I've used this. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable image. Uh, What's great about it is it wow. like it's the three stages of of his seduction. Like one's got the fully buttoned up shirt. The next one is kind of like BG's buttoned it down, and the third guy is just wide open. 
right? <laughs> yes, and it's just there's some quote where it said they just look like they look like this disco assholes. Yeah, because it's 1970. Well, Carl Palmer in that I think that's Carl on the right, right? I, yeah, he, he looks is. like uh, he looks like either Siegfried or Roy. I can't remember which right. one. <laughs> it's it's the, the blonder of the two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Siegfried, I think. Yeah. He looks like the guy who one of the guys who replaced the Duke brothers, the Bowen Luke Duke on the Dukes <laughs> oh, of Hazzard. Oh, like a John Schneider. The guy who's not John Schneider. The guy that replaced John Schneider. Yeah. yeah. In fact, they all do. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this, this music is so fucking ponderous. Play a little more, and there's some, um, there's some background to why that picture was taken and where they are and how that plays into the album. So yeah. here, let's hear a little more of this. Who's the guy on the left? Because there's always one guy with his tight jeans, and he's like sticks his... Assuming that's his dick, although he could have just... You know, as we know, stuck a cucumber down there or something. Right. <laughs> no one naturally in life walked around with their dick just like engorged, you know, like protruding out of their pants. <laughs> it's always on an album cover of these assholes. You did in 1978, my friend. That was a move. That was <laughs> that was the move. <laughs> Aaron, when you put it in the street in 1978, what do you do? When I put it on the street in 23. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I got to let him know, you know what I mean? Aaron's protruding right now. Yeah. Here's the goods. Earlier, we were asking Aaron why he doesn't work remote. Now we know. He's got to go strut that protrusion down That's at the right. office. All right, here we go. Okay. ELP. Down on your knees with your face to the wall, saying, please, please, please. My friend said I should call. Well, I do feel lonely, woman. To tell the truth, I can use some company. He's the maestro, right? Yeah, that's Keith Emerson. Yeah, yeah Keith Emerson, the maestro, is, is playing a, a lick that even I would have rejected on, on my sad little albums. Well, so the lyrics there... Uh, down on your knees with your face to the wall, saying, please, 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 my friend said I should call. Well, I do feel lonely, woman, and to tell you the truth, I could use some company. So come closer to me. Help yourself to a taste of my love. <laughs> this is an assault in progress, right? So generous of him. I know. It, it, and it's just so weird that... That also, they're not a sexy band. They're not, they don't no. do music like this. Like perhaps this, these lyrics in Paul Stanley's mouth are maybe Bon Scott's and it's cheeky and, you know, like they do things swaggery. But the way he's doing it, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, at these all. guys, it sounds like they wanted to be one of those kind of party David Lee Roth kind of bands. Like, hey, let's get all sexy and crazy. And, but they're bad at it, is the problem. No, well, so I'll give you a little back background here, and this is to me this is the sad part because what this truly is is this, this this is the sound of a band breaking up is what this is, hmm. and this is their last record, you know that they did in the seventies, and they've just come off the road and taken some time off, and Keith's house had burned down in England, and he had had he'd gone through a divorce, and anyway, Ahmet Erdogan tells them uh, from Atlantic Records like, hey, why don't you guys make a more pop oriented record? And they don't like Greg. Can do. <laughs> Greg Lake wants to, to do some of that, but he's not really ready to do it. And Keith, of course, wants to do just 20-minute songs. And so they, and then Greg also usually handled all of the production. And he just says, no, I don't, I don't even want to produce this. 
And that was the usual things, the way things went with them. So they go to Compass Point Studios, which is in the, in the Bahamas. And that's where the picture gets taken. <laughs> and and they're also, everyone in this is a tax exile. They're all tax exiles in this because they don't want to pay taxes. Right. And their lyricist is a guy named Peter John Sinfield, who was Greg's buddy from King Crimson. And he's responsible for these awful fucking lyrics. And the thought is, well, we'll go to Compass Point and we'll all get along and everything. And they go there. Then Peter gets there and he's kind of supposed to bring him together. And he gets there and just goes, oh, shit, this is not happening. These guys aren't speaking. Like, this is this is a fucking disaster. And he, <laughs> he works by himself writing the lyrics. And then Palmer and Greg Lake do their parts. Seinfeld or Sinfield gets done writing the lyrics. And they just go, bye, we're out of here. Keith, just finished the record and turn it in. Great. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and you can tell on this record, on this song, and some of those, gun, 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 that shit you've heard, yeah. and later <laughs> as it goes on, he just went, well, fuck it. I'm just going to put all my stuff all over this song and fuck it all up, because I don't care. Because good, they left me here. I, I will finish this record and do it my way. <laughs> so I bet Ahmet Erdogan was like, great. Well, you made it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, a little, there's a little more about that in the cover later, but let's... Uh, Let's hear a little more of this song because it it just gets worse. So keep going. Yeah, I'm sure these band dynamics were not affected by cocaine at all. Yeah, well, they they had gone through some of that as well. That and, and it was uh, it was pills too during this time. They were just yeah. they were and and you know if you've been in a band, you know you know how you've been in the road with somebody, and we haven't even done that where you're around somebody for 300 days and you just can't stand them anymore, and you get two weeks off, and they go, hey, why don't you guys make a new record? And you're like, I hate this fucking guy. No. And you're like, right. <laughs> and that's right. where they were. And that's what this sounds like. This is the terrible last record of a band that didn't want to make it. Right. And thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Th- your, their fans are probably like, thanks, guys. Appreciate all the effort. Yeah. Well, em- Emerson later called the album an embarrassment against everything I've worked for. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just not played on it. I guess. I mean, they owed the record company one more record. That was the thing. They had to deliver this record. Yeah. And so they did. You know, when you were a kid, if you did a shitty job washing the dishes and your parents would say, look, if you're going to fuck it around and, and not even try, just don't do it. I, I mean, I love that when they said that, because it wasn't really an option. I, if, if I had told my dad, hey, check it out. <laughs> I'm only going to fuck this up. So peace <laughs> out. He would have set me on fire. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> that's the, what I imagine. Like, Amit was like, dude, if you had just told me that you were going to go into the studio and like take a shit on the entire nation of the Bahamas and, and, <laughs> And then leave and send me the bill. <laughs> we could have dealt with this another way. Yeah, he wanted a more pop-oriented record, and and with that in mind too, um, Keith Emerson hated the the cover so much. This record that he like organized like a, a booth at O'Hare Airport in Chicago and conducted a survey to like what people think of the album and the album cover, and the opinion was just you know they hated it and disagreement about the title and they told um in, in atlantic all this and he said yep we're not changing it <laughs> well why the fuck should he collaborate fuck them he's like i've already paid a lot of money and this is the shit you give me i'm not gonna do another photo session for you guys or whatever hire an artist <laughs> to do it you know yeah do you want to do your you want to do your tied top again uh keith you're right <laughs> i think that's keith in the middle right is or that is him greg or is yeah. it greg yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> Who knows? Oh, Lord. All, All right, right, so here, he'll learn more. It, it, it just gets progressively worse. It's it's Ooh, great. Good one, George. Progressively, <laughs> progressively worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. Help 
Got a guy to come write these lyrics with them. Oh, yeah, Pete, Peter will straighten it out. Okay. They fucking paid somebody to call up room service. Catch all peaches and cream. <laughs> I, I realize what they're, they're trying to be Robert Plant, you know? I guess. Like with a sort of bluesy sexual innuendo song. And this could be da- fucking David St. Hubbins. I mean, <laughs> right? For real. Like, I mean, it doesn't sound much different. It's like Love Gun. Exactly. That is what the best thing is to me. Some reviewer said, the album's ridiculous macho swaggering taste of my love sounds like a parody on the scale of Spinal Tap. Which <laughs> yeah. it does. That's what I love so much. I can't believe I found this because it just the keyboards in it and all Keith's doing on top of it, on top of this other, it's like he's in another song. It's just... <laughs> Was Emerson the singer? No, Emerson's the keyboard player, and he has that ridiculous monster moog keyboard that's bigger than Pete's thing, where it's all plugged in and looks like a wall. Well, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I'm just I was wondering if he sang as well, but who no, sang? No, no, Greg's the singer. Greg's, uh, okay. Greg's the singer, yeah. All right. Lick. Big lick. <laughs> <laughs> I like my dessert first, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he means. Man, it is so David St. Hovens. Jesus Ooh, Christ. Yeah, yeah. I know you said it. What year is this again? 1978. Okay, yeah. Taste it, taste it, taste it. Around the maze of pleasure to the gates of pain. That was taste it, taste it, taste it. Around the maze of pleasure to the gates of pain. <laughs> Dickhead. Did you guys get that? <laughs> I want to love you like nobody's ever loved you. I heard that, right? Yeah, get on my stallion and we'll ride. It's like, it's like Ron Burgundy singing. Yeah. <laughs> they brought a specialist in to do this. Right? Yeah, he, he was supposed to get the band together and then got there and went like, oh, fuck, this is never going to work. I'm going to write these shitty lyrics to just get off this fucking island. <laughs> a million years ago, uh, Brendan Lynch had a, had a record deal with uh, Mercury Records and he wanted to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so... And so who do you call when you want to get out of a record deal? You call me and Dalton over. Okay. <laughs> so me and Dalton come over to the studio. We were just hammered and we ended up writing a few songs with him with the express point of making them so bad. Release this and or we, let me out of my contract. Yeah. And our songs were fucking so much better than this song. <laughs> we had a song called uh, China Doll. Yeah. Uh, which was as as big a delight as it sounds like it would be. And then uh, two lonely people in a one-horse town. <laughs> I bring you smiles and all you all you gots a frown. <laughs> could have used you to compass point. I know, you know, and you have tried this. jeans. I mean, come on. You could have been Shit, in the picture. I got, yeah, I got a schlong. Come on. Like, call Dalton and I over. We'll help you get out. Shit. Wait till Amit sees us. <laughs> he hates us. Oh, Aaron, you're going to love this next line. Please play this. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I want to 
and enfold you beyond reason. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's the end of the show right there. Unplug the podcast. That wasn't even that That's wasn't even it. the line I was talking about. There's one after that. I want to hold you and unfold and enfold you. You beyond reason. Beyond reason. Beyond what does that reason. mean? Fucking her brains out. That's what I got reading. I mean, well, I I picture him pushing her back backwards, so the way the human body isn't supposed to bend. We, he's got her against the wall earlier. Don't forget. Uh, uh, you know, please, 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 down on your knees uh, with your face against the wall. He's that's earlier. Now he's got her bent all about. God, has this ever worked on any woman ever? This sort of like. <laughs> What he considers dirty talk? I don't know. I kept hearkening back to who, who did the, which which one of you did the um, keyboardist that don't get laid? You know? <laughs> right. Oh, that, that was, was on, that, yeah. that Brockates. Like, that yeah. was with Josh, wasn't it? <laughs> that was Aaron Shows because he's a keyboardist. Aaron Shows right. keyboards yeah. that don't get, like, this is like, Keith and all of them think of this and go like, yeah, no, this isn't working for any of the ladies at all. Yeah, this guy would have won hands down if we'd heard this song at the time. <laughs> I want to dominate your mind. No, no, dynamite your mind. Oh, dynamite your mind. (laughs) With love tonight. Tonight! Aaron, it sounds like us joking on Ain't No Night Like Tonight, our song we did. I want to dynamite (laughs) your mind with love tonight. (laughs) See, even for me, that's better than it is for me. (laughs) By the way, this isn't a very long song, and we're we're a little more than half, I think. There's a little bit left here. Yeah. (laughs) That's too much left, George. (laughs) I don't know. You got it. You got to hear the rest of this. Come on, please. <laughs> These guys wrote a couple sort of catchy songs, as I recall. Yeah, Lucky Man. Fuck yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they just completely gave up on craft for this. And by the way, side two of this is just a twenty-minute thing called like the mysterious life of an officer and a gentleman. The whole the whole side two is just one <laughs> movement, like they used to do, like Tarkus and all those things. And the first side is these uh, like five songs like this that are three or four minutes long. What was the band that we made the Prog rock band. Oh, oh, right. It was it was like the name of the paper on the um on the side of the in the in the closet I was in then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, forget. not that that was Hammer Mill was the name of the band, but right. the name of the album was like Mr. McGilpin's Medicine. Yeah, Cutter, right. Mr. Like show in Medicine yeah. Madison Tent or something. <laughs> right. In some small Texas town. Right. Pretty right. Mr. McGilvery's. <laughs> Featuring Pretty Little Fountain. <laughs> Anyways, we've got more work to do, so let's, let's get back to it. All right. Let's get back to it. Yeah. Go down gently with your face to the east. The sun. <laughs> of course. Of That's course. what I wanted you to hear. The racism, too. With your face to the east. Dun, 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 dun. You know Keith your dumped that in. He's like, east. fuck these guys. I'm going to put that here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Little known fact, Aaron used that riff in China Doll as well. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus to that was China doll, China doll, cha cha. Go down gently with your face to the east. The sun your face be, to the east. With your face to the east, the sun may be rising, but we haven't finished the feast. I've seen these guys. They finished. By the way, they finished. They finished early and often. <laughs> What? Oh, sorry, I, honey. I, I just love Keith and the student. They leave him there in this fucking <laughs> island, and he reads these lyrics. Did he say, "Go down gently in the face of the with your face to the east"? Fuck him. Dun 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 dun. dun. He's not putting that in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe rising, but we haven't finished the beast. 
listen how they're all over, like Carl's overplaying too, which I know is what they did, but he's really, like all, the, all those, listen to those fills, Damon, they're all like, like that's that the fills like right. that. Yeah, these prog guys, they, none of the members, the individual members wanted you to forget that they were there. Yeah, no. They you know? Yeah. Which of these two were in Asia? Uh, Carl was in Asia and just Carl, right? Yeah, because there's John Wetton. Wetton. John Wetton and the else. keyboardist from right. Yes and the guitar player from Yes. Is that how that went? I think so. I can't remember. It was, But Carl was on drums. I don't think anyone else was in Asia. Asia got it together with some fucking hits, dude. And yeah, they, they did. Hon- honed some shit down and yeah. just got to it. Yeah. That album cover is still an outrage, but fucking some stone cold hits. Can I say how proud I am that the Gitmo Bros don't know the lineups of these stupid fucking bands? <laughs> you know, yeah. Andy is throwing things out of his apartment onto the Manhattan streets right now. Yeah, <laughs> enraged. Does he like EOP? Does he like EOP? He likes. He, he's a prog guy. He loves it. He loves it. Like I mean, he likes good prog. I, I doubt very much that he likes Love Beach. Um, yeah. I'm just saying that he might be protective, as like eventually it's hard for me to take somebody bagging on Sting. Like, I'll take it, and I'll take it, I'll take it, and then eventually it's hard to take. But, so, he's probably having that moment now. Well, I mean, basically, this song should be called Cock Hungry. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like I said earlier, sausage sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Ooh, you need love. I need love. <laughs> That's a Robert Plant ripoff. That, I mean. What's he doing? What's he doing with the keyboard? <laughs> Yeah, I can even understand. Like, there's some prog you hear and you go, like, like yes, I hear some of their songs and I I enjoy listening to them. I mean, it's 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 a little bit masturbatory, but it's pleasing to the like. You know what I mean? It's good, right. good riffs and good sounds, and the guys are all tight and everything. This is not good prog at all. This is just fucking horrible. No, this is them trying to do something else with like a pop song with prog over it with these yeah. sex, with these overtly sexual lyrics. Well, you're right. It sounds like they want to be anywhere else. And oh, when you want yeah. to be anywhere else, and yeah. then that poor guy who is there to write lyrics, like it's the easiest thing to do is write throwaway fuck lyrics. I mean, right. it takes. Nothing to do it. Nothing. You have to have, you can have zero imagination and do it in the same way that like improvisers, shitty improvisers or weak ones will end up in like working blue, like rather than staying away from that. You know, and that's what this guy did. Because why the fuck should he do anything different? Set the studio on fire. It'd be a more productive thing to do. (laughs) And then take a picture of that and that'd be the cover. (laughs) By the way, these guys are working blue. You know what I mean? Yeah, they Mm -hmm. are. It's a cock song. This song's about cocks. Yeah. Here's my bulge on the album cover, just in case anyone was <laughs> curious. Now, do we have to listen to this? I mean, it's another 40 seconds of this. There's some good There's some good lyrics here. All right. George! All right. Here we go. The Clarmus. <laughs> here it comes, the taste of my love. I'm gonna love you. Don't do a fake out ending my- fucking ELP. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. End the LP, more like it. Am I right, guys? <laughs> All right. Like nobody ever loved you. Climb on my rocket and we'll fly. Over the moon, past the sun until we find. Yeah. <laughs> Climb on my rocket and we'll fly. You would think that if you cared less, you would play less. Right. But they cared. Not at all, and play a lot. There's du- they're weird. double timing and doubling down right here. I love yeah. it. 
They're not just mad at each other. They're mad at music. They are. Sounds like they're mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck I do. Oh, my God. You guys made Love Beach. All right. What do we got left here? All right. It's like 20 seconds. Yes. The gates of heaven open wide for lovers. I'm going to love you like nobody ever loved you. Ah, they got faded out on. Can you imagine how much more this was doing? Yeah, there's another 20 minutes. They still know how to end it. They just faded out. And they gave us a fakey ending. Like, they did end it. And right. then they went double time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, wow. they thought they, that was like the uh, end of Hello Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, when they double time. <laughs> hey, my, hey my, oh, no. Yeah. Um, by the way, both Emerson and Lake uh, both died in 2016. Carl is still alive. But uh, Keith tragically uh, ate a shotgun. He was uh, very depressed and uh, had his. He has kind of a writer's cramp in his hands, you know, where he couldn't play anymore, and he had it. Uh-huh. He'd had it before and gotten over it, and then got it back again, and got very depressed around 2016, and that was it for. It's uh, terrible, for Keith. Oh wow! Hmm. Yeah. So uh, sad ending to that, but and also as funny as this song is, and Spinal Tappy as it is, it, it is it is the sound of a band breaking up. Is what yeah. that is to me. I, that's what I so love so much about it is that. That's what it sounds like. The three guys going, fuck it. Just, we're, just, we're out. Like you said, Aaron, I'd rather be anywhere but here. Right. And then yeah. regretting it, right? Like, we're going to release this now and we're going to look stupid. And they did. Hmm. Well, end of career songs. I take mine over theirs, for sure. You're right. <laughs> this is just <laughs> such a theme here again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no truth to the rumor that he actually went back and listened to Taste of My Love and that kind of pushed him over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> they did get back together and tour and make records in like the in in the late nineties and they they did do all that so it wasn't the wasn't a terrible you know tragedy until until later and obviously during this time but they did reconcile and you know put out two more records so right. they, they still had it you know now Carl Palmer's free to take the tribute show on the road and fall in and out of time on his own <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> on his terms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Carl's time. Uh, thank you for indulging me. That was such a good yeah. time. I, just <laughs> I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised they did keep it under you know three and a half minutes. That was that was a a nice gesture on their part. That's why you, there's so many songs you could pick that were you know horrible prog rock songs that are 20 minutes. But you can't do that here. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so you get it all here. I love you. Get everything here. <laughs> yeah, we try to keep it tight. <laughs> yeah. Like the lady who's facing east. <laughs> and like you know the peaches and cream you know yeah right it's riding the you stallion you make your dinner peaches and cream <laughs> I like my dessert first if you know what I mean <laughs> what a butthole ooh Greg I do know what you mean yeah alright well there you go George right. George weighs in with some ELP taste of my love and now we hand it over to the aest of all dogs <laughs> Well, look, there's a special place in hell for uh, rap rock, uh, especially when it was done poorly. And it's this guy's fault. It's this guy's fault. And it's the only thing he ever did from a artist perspective. But he was responsible for other things from the executive perspective. Uh-oh. So uh, oh. start this, and I'm going to send these lyrics to you both. And... There is no way in hell at five minutes and change we're going to get anywhere near that. I will, <laughs> I've got a personal 
vendetta out for this song, and I will probably only make it about 30 seconds. <laughs> I want the listeners to understand that they're not going to have to deal with this for very long. <laughs> so play it, Damon, and then I'm going to send the lyrics. All right. Here we Please. go. Please. What the... So he sampled Billy Squire. What the hell is this? <laughs> this is Metal Rap by Lone Rager. <laughs> Later became the Lone Rager. And here's a picture of him. How about that? Yep. Awesome. Album cover. Yeah. It's an album cover of a guy uh, in a uh, scary uh, like potato sack hood incredibly racist and he's sitting in front of apparently uh some encyclopedias yeah, or something a, a library or connection of slight encyclopedias yeah <laughs> he's holding up a, a metal studded belt yeah, pyramid belt yeah <laughs> yeah it says metal rap on it which is the name of this song and uh let's listen to a little bit of it um let me tell you what let me let me tell you what the first verse is so that way we don't really have to pay much more attention what's that loud brash noise i hear that leaves a ringing in my ear Makes plaster fall and foundations resettle. Oh my God, it's heavy metal. You, you can't go dancing to its beat. You may be tripping over your own feet, but chill out, brothers. Don't get temperamental. There's just no stopping heavy metal. So some of the worst rhyming ever that's ever been done. Was he making this point about heavy metal? What year was he? 1984. And so at the time, I guess people maybe didn't know who it was. This the song was uh, buried uh, in indifference. Um, this is done by a guy named Johnny Z, who oh, yeah. was yeah. who was the head of uh, of a record label that actually put out the first uh, Metallica record and was responsible for like finding Anthrax and I think Venom. Yeah, Metal uh, Blade, Exodus. right? Metal Blade. Yeah, Metal Blade. Yeah. and like and was sort it was you know very important. Uh, and you know, even if you're not down with that type of rock, um, is a fucking big deal. Like there's no Metallica without him signing them. So, you know, Johnny Zavala or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 And right. so for some reason he took it upon himself that he wanted to write a song that's, but he knew he couldn't sing. So he probably thought, okay, I could rap, but you can't do that either. <laughs> and so he, he got a band called the rods and the rods are the remainder of what was Elf, uh, which was Dio's first band. So it's right. Ronnie James, Dio's uh, cousin, is is in the Rods. <laughs> and so they're playing, and they denied that they were this backing band for a long time, <laughs> for good Please reason. Please say it was R-O-D-Z. <laughs> no, it's S, sadly. But like these lyrics are, are just a fucking mess. But what he's talking about is sort of just like, he's just name checking clumsily all these bands. And then he talks about, he says that what he wanted to do was get the major labels buying metal bands and, and promoting them. But that doesn't make a ton of sense because that means he'd be out of a job um, because he would find them and then they would come and take them away. So maybe I'm not getting it. Uh, you know, I am not feeling very well today. So like it could be that I don't understand metal rap. <laughs> but like sonically... The sound is so bad. And I don't understand, like, it's not easy to make things sound great. Like, the shady character thing, like, there's a lot of shredding going on, and it's, it's at a professional studio with actual money, and these guys are, like, 
on their own and and made a great sounding fucking demo. Not signed, not nothing. And that here's this guy doing this to what end? And it sounds like shit. Well, even like, uh, and also what's the, um, we care a lot. The first, um, right. It has that same kind of faith, not more vibe. Yeah. And, right. And even that was, that was, it wasn't like this. It would, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the really, I mean, the weakest part is, is this guy. I mean, like this, this, the song is garbage too, but like, I don't know, let's listen to a little bit more of it because it's just so upsetting to me. And like, and, and I want Damon, I want, I need a chance to try to win this round. And so I need Damon to fill some more of it. It's not about upsetting me. I'd rather upset him. So let, let's listen to yeah, some of it. Let's upset Damon. Let's I appreciate that. that. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. It's my day to shine. Yeah. Yeah. The picture, for all the horrifying things going on there, you've got the kind of greasy uh, clan hood, mm-hmm. and then you've got the lame S&M kind of theme going on. He's got an American flag with fringes on it. But the thing, you know, speaking of rage, the thing that's setting me over the edge is the font of Lone <laughs> Rager. That font looks like, you know, the one you reject when you're doing your wedding invitation. I don't know mm-hmm. why you would... Use that as a for metal or rap. It does. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't say either one of those things. It does it re- not. No. Yeah, it looks like the kind of thing where you see like the, you know the morning bagels are ready, you know, or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. So, also, quick question here. So, he's in a library or a place where there's a lot of encyclopedias. What is he looking up here? Why? Why is that part of? <laughs> I thought it was just the backdrop. It's not. He wants you to know he's. Yeah. You know, is he looking up? Is that the M for metal rap? What is? Yeah, he, he's looking into the history of it, and you know, and then Blue Cheer came and Led Zeppelin, and like he's name checking these people. Yeah, gotcha. Yes. Now, th- thank you for bringing that all together, Aaron. I get yes. it. Now. Thank you. Yes, it makes okay. it. It's a better song, now, isn't it? Let's it play. Is. Yeah, let's hear some more. <laughs> all right. I like when he says uh, that leaves a ringing in my ear, makes plaster fall, and foundations resettle. Now I don't know why it has to be resettle. You could just say. <laughs> Settle. settle, yeah, well, I don't, because he, he's trying to rhyme with metal. I mean, I understand know, it, that, but he doesn't need to say resettle. Is my point. He wants to make sure that you understand that the building was there and fine. It was fine yeah. before, and then the metal came, and then <laughs> and it's it still fine. Resettle, and then it read so it then resettle. it's still fine. What does that yeah, mean? Should, shouldn't it be knocked down? What yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you resettle a foundation, you have to get permits and everything. It's a whole thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's a whole to do. <laughs> I want to say ket- kettle's a good rhyme. I mean, what's he doing? Yeah. Why not that? Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> Foundations resettle. What's the matter with you, Johnny Z? There we right. go. Okay, now hold on there. So he goes, metal music, wait before you call it trash, metal music, even though you're close, some call it thrash. Now, trash and thrash are similar words. Right. He's teaching a kid about spelling. He's like, you're close. <laughs> I also think that, you said this is 1984, right? Oh, yeah. So I definitely think here's a guy, because he's an East Coast Jersey guy, isn't he, or New York? Mm-hmm. He's a Jersey or New York guy, and he heard or heard of... Well, um, you know, Rick Rubin and Run DMC, and that's right about when that happened with Aerosmith, and they did Kings of Rock and all that, and he's trying to, why can't I be that? Why can't I merge these two things? I'm a, you know, I'm a a genius too, like Rick Rubin, I can do this. Yeah. That's, I think there's a fair amount of that in here. 
Yeah, you know, but like even like with those very thin sort of anemic set, like what was great about those uh, like uh, License to Ill and Raising yeah. Hell is that you had right, those yeah, big ass Run DMC voices that yeah. are powerful. And so even the anemic sort of uh, guitar that Rick Rubin was slinging on those records. Oh, tougher than leather. Right. Yeah, yes. those were making right. a yeah. point and, and supported by the big, big, big voices. But right. this is yeah. this is. Uh, doesn't have that or the other. You got the rods is what you got. This is a rods demo. Yeah. And he's doing yeah. that, the corniest rap that, you know, my name is Lone Rager and I'm here to say, you know, like <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. When white so that's people, kind of what rap was. Then. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. in a Sears commercial it's, or something they, when they would start rapping yeah. about, you know, school shopping. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. that time of year to go to Sears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does sound like he sounds like the uh, the phys ed teacher doing a, a funny bit at the year end uh, at the celebration. Yeah, right. yeah. The assembly here, right? Yeah. He's putting on he's putting he's putting on some b boy clothes and like posing and stuff to get a hilarious re- reaction. And except all this, all the lyrics are about like the teachers at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts with my name's Mr. Butcher, and I'm here to say exactly, totally, yep. <laughs> That happened to you guys or something? What is that? Is that that it really happened to you? It just sounds like what we all had to live through as kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. The other vibe I'm getting here because he's East Coast, which makes sense to me now, is especially the the metal music chorus that they keep chanting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 100% Twisted Sister, right? Because that this was their yes. big heyday. They yep. were Same The reason they got signed is because they were huge in Jersey that, and Long that Island. Very and year, that very yeah. year. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Yep. This is the thing we hate. We haven't experienced this in a while on the show, but when people sing rock songs about rock, that fucking mm-hmm. enrages me. It's and that's this is another version of that. This is <laughs> yeah. telling telling people, you know, how awesome metal is in a in a quasi metal <laughs> song. It's just fuck off. This next verse is: It started with a band called Cream. To play like Clapton was a dream. Then Iron Butterfly and MC5 without airplay to stay alive. Of course, Blue Cheer had summertime blues, in quotes, that came on fast and then they were news. Yeah. It seemed, oh my God, it seemed we've lost to never win. Then there came Led Zeppelin. <laughs> You're fired. It's like a baby wrote it or something. It's like yeah. A- yeah, again, Dalton and I, in order to help a friend get out of a record deal. <laughs> Our songs were fucking the second half of Abbey Road. Do you have a copy of China Doll any around yeah. right now? <laughs> this is as good as Abbey Road compared to this. <laughs> we wrote the shitty songs that made them. Jesus, yeah. It makes me feel better about what I did in 1984. <laughs> Uh, just a little bit more, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna uh, <laughs> shut her gonna down, rip, rip my ears off. And this also has a we didn't start the fire vibe because it's telling you the story of all the bands and everything, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's only in the '60s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You're looking like two verses away from Jimi Hendrix. We're twenty oh, years God damn away. It. We're twenty years away from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> and trust, trust it. We will not get there. Let's keep going here. Yeah. Oh, he's got a kind of meta conversation going on there. <laughs> the, he means the major labels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To sign, here come the majors to sign all the ragers. Which is okay. weird because, like, so he's the lone rager, or is he not the lone rager? Yeah, Who's all these other I, ragers. I thought he was an independent label. He does. 
So he, he wants them to buy his contract? Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Is that oh, like I don't... The metal blade wouldn't be distributed by somebody. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. What, do they think he's hypnotizing them or something? Like <laughs> somehow this song is going to convince them to start signing his dumb bands? All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God, what a, and, and by the way, you're right. The At least they knew to bury his vocal because usually in rap, vocals are going to be right up front. And it, just you can nothing. barely hear him. It sounds like he's in a closet somewhere with me, like miles away. And that guitar is so, it's so Dio. It's it's almost like all those Dio songs. It's all the same <laughs> riff like that. If you're in New Jersey, like there's got to be not joking, hundreds of good rappers within 10 miles of you, right? Yeah, because New York's across New the York's fucking right there. bridge. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. He could have got anyone to do this. Why does it have to be you? Yeah. If you, if you think that what your message is, is is worthwhile, maybe get somebody who could support it with gusto. Hire that guy from fucking Power Source. Yeah. <laughs> or just get Jesse James Dupree and partner up with the other Run DMC guy. That's better than this. Yeah. It truly is, George. It yeah. truly is. That song is better than this than yeah. this, which is there's rough. a black guy in it, and that's it's raps, rough to say. It's good at rapping. <laughs> it's rough to say that, but it's true. That song is better. I, I know he's Italian because the Klansman hoodie's wearing is, is completely greasy. It, it's just weird to me that Damon can say that he's also Italian. It's okay. This is my wrapping hood, and I serve French fries in it. Upon reflection, he was like, "Oh yeah, it looks like I'm a racist, but I'm not. You know, I, I'm part Jewish. But you're all stupid. So like, yeah. I don't know. None of that comes into it. You're just a dope uh, yeah. with that hood Talk on. About subliminal KKK, not subliminal, huh? <laughs> oh, many Christmas. Okay, so we just Led Zeppelin came out in what, like 1968 or nine. So we're not even yeah, out of the 60s yeah, 68. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to one more verse. Have kids singing metal it's music? It's just a bunch of his asshole friends in the studio. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I'm hearing kids in there, though. I don't yeah, know. no, I think that they brought the kids in there to, um, to add to it. Because this is, uh, what, like uh, two or three years after uh, The Wall? So bring your kids. That's what that's Don't what happens. Bang your head and you know, right. mm-hmm. maybe you got the, got the rising star from Power Source to come in and add her her rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So like this, this is a thing that it existed and, but you wonder like, why, why does it exist? And what was the purpose? And like, everybody has the right to do what they want to do and to put out what they want to put out, especially if you have your own label, that's sort of the point. I'm starting to rethink that policy of capitalism, by the way. (laughs) Here's a question for you, because sometimes I stumble on, on these morons when I'm researching a torture song. Were there people under the YouTube video or anywhere articles of going oh, i used to love the song when i was a kid did you find anyone who enjoyed the song at any point no the, my favorite one was 
I remember one time I got caught at a railroad crossing and had to listen to this entire song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure about the dynamics of it. Like, why couldn't you get out of the car? Like, you know, turn the station or do something? I think if he contemplated getting out, he might have thrown himself under the train. (laughs) Into the train. Yeah. (laughs) A better result. And by the way, I'm proof positive of this because I was 17 when this came out. I've never heard of it. I was a heavy metal jackass. All my friends were. I've never heard of this. I know yeah. who all these guys are. I know who Johnny Z is. Never even know this existed. Like, I'm surprised that you didn't know that it existed. I'm not surprised nope. you didn't ever listen to it because it's just garbage. But like, gee, I, I would think that you would have heard of it. Like, oh, yeah, we laughed at it and thought it was dumb is what I thought no. you would say. Back then, to answer, I think to answer your question, uh, both of you, why, was back then there was a whole <laughs> thing of everyone going, we, we should merge metal and rap. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what the, even like the Chili Peppers kind of grew out of that idea. You know, I mean, they were already doing it, but that's how they became, you know, all that stuff where people like, yeah, bass players use their thumbs, but, you know, with metal guitar, <laughs> you know, and living color. And like, that's what, that was a few years later, but not too many. And because of Run DMC and Aerosmith, you know, and then what was the one, um, not too long after this, which I think Johnny Z was responsible for. Um, Anthrax when, and Public Enemy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, power. which is Bring the Noise. Yeah. Bring the Noise. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, and like that, but that's got, well, again, because you've got Chuck. So like, and, and yeah, right. that's a, that's a cool way to do that song. Like, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. And I, I you know, I like Public Enemy a lot. And Anthrax is, you don't find. But to compare that to any of this is, 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 is just a disaster. But like, to what end was he trying to do it? Like, and, and, to say to give us the history of music, why would I want to hear it from you? <laughs> that part I don't know. That, I know they could have done I anything. I know this already, and everybody else knows this too. You know. But by the way, not why not do what the Beastie Boys did? But three years later, eighty-seven is licensed to ill. Mm-hmm. Why not sample Led Zeppelin? Why not do some samples in here to make it cool? Like why not? Not do when that? you have the rods uh, on offer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's forget them. Why not just, you know, sample some songs here? Because that's when sampling, like, no one knew what to do. You just take it, and then they go, oh, well, how do we how do we charge them for this? You know? <laughs> oh, God damn it. What yeah. a fucking asshole. You know, like, RIP, apparently. But, like, you know. It, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. But what what a fucking uh, garbage fire. And, and, and it's not, and it's also not funny. It's not. There's not there's it's there's there's nothing happening on it. Nothing happening here. Yeah, I was going to say I'm, nothing <laughs> happening here. I'm dumber for this moment that we're sharing together. <laughs> yeah, I'm this stupider song, now. This song got more. This song got more attention than David's song, which is a crime. <laughs> That's right. Oh, the low so now you know, you know the depths of what he's talking about in that song. Just look at this. Just look at this. <laughs> yeah. This got more play than anything any of us has ever done. Yeah, <laughs> tough to take. It is tough to take. That's the world you're coming from. That's where the bitterness comes from. Nothing, nothing else happens in this, and I, I refuse to listen to any more of it, so I'm just going to read you the outro. Okay. okay. What rhymes with maiden, super heavy molten laden, and Metallica? Spectacula. That's heavy. <laughs> I'm rapping heavy metal. And then it says howling, so one assumes that he starts howling at the end. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, that's it, man. I, I can't take any more of it, but that exists out in the world. Um, 
And we didn't even get through like two minutes of it. No, no, no. And I knew it going in and, uh, you know, I, I just don't have it today. I can't do it. The, the people <laughs> don't. Guys, I don't have it. <laughs> it's such fucking crap. Like there's, I figured that there was going to be long enough to talk about it and put some fucking stink on it. And like, and it's so, just garbage, man. <laughs> it just, we touched on it earlier. This was an era that people who weren't around back then don't understand. Everyone was trying to rap at this point. And it right. didn't matter if you were a guy who owned an independent metal label or if you were doing a commercial for McDonald's or something. Everyone. It was new. It was brand it new. It was new. And, and then they thought they could apply it to everything, too. And so that's what he's trying to do. And then he's also kind of, um, he's got Twisted Sister on the brain with a metal music chorus and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just two bad tastes that taste worse together, you know? True. <laughs> This is a show where we talk shit uh, and play uh, crappy music, and it can't even be played. It can't even be bothered to get halfway through it. It shan't be played. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I picked poorly as I reflect on it now because I, li- I like to get through more of it and have more to say. But when it just is repeating yourself saying, oh, my God, this is so fucking stupid. And you don't uh, have it today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my fastball. <laughs> just so you guys know that he he goes through a lot more bands you know a lot so it's many. understatement so every many. band yeah he, goes An- through- he talks about anvil and loudness he goes through subgenres of heavy metal subgenres <laughs> european heavy metal english heavy metal uh- well looking at this list it just reminds me of what i said in an earlier episode which is there were too many metal bands for them all to be good <laughs> it defies logic to think that all metal music rules which is i feel like guys who are in a metal feel that way same with new wave same with new wave yeah. there's yeah, an awful true. lot of a lot of crappy stuff there yeah. too just you, as soon as when it starts becoming available for everyone not everybody's gonna be good and this guy certainly is not the lone rager <laughs> the, lone, the lone rager yeah so all right i have some thoughts to unleash here <laughs> We have Emerson, Lake, and Palmer with their cheesy, you know, trying to be Zeppelin sexual innuendo song, but it was just a, a complete and utter mess. And we've got the Klansman Rager. <laughs> French fry face. Uh, yeah, French fry towel. face. It sounds like a spill at a fast food restaurant. You know what I mean? It's, it sounds like that. You're like a sticky floor. Yeah. And his rejected wedding invitation font. <laughs> Join me and Judy. <laughs> no. Who's the wedding band? Elf or what's left of it? <laughs> the Rods. You in? Couldn't be more out. Not in. I'm going to join Greg with his peaches and cream over on Love Beach. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> All right. I'm mad at both of these songs. The first one doesn't really count as an ELP song just because, as you explained, George, they weren't really working together. They hated each other. It was sort of like just a, a giant mess, right? Yes. And then the next one isn't a song either, but it's more like that cheese ball mentality of the 80s where we just, any guy thought that he could rap. Right. And then this guy's obviously dumb. He's got some, that weird, you know, white supremacist look about him, you know, like that guy, you could just pick him up out of 1984 and drop him into like a, a, a Trump rally and he wouldn't be out of place, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he'd be very, very pleased to be there on the 6th of January. They might even play that music as Trump walks out. Can I say one thing about Love Beach? Yes. That I didn't say. Yes. It might help you. Okay. It, it sold 500,000 copies and it was certified gold. Oh, <laughs> that upsets me. 
This was not. Whatever the opposite is. You guys, these are equally bad. I mean, I'm I'm really torn here. I don't know if you can. Not tell one them. woman bought that record, George. <laughs> not one woman bought that record. <laughs> not one. Five hundred thousand yeah. nerds. There were more tools crammed into that record store than Greg Lake's pants. <laughs> Andy Levy's. He has loved beats. <laughs> I know. I, there's no, he's a completionist. I'm sure that he does. And, and he probably doesn't leave it out or anything. <laughs> when, when, when influential people stop by Levy Manor. Why, why do you have a gay porn laser disc? <laughs> Don't ask no, no, me about not, it. That's not what it is. <laughs> Don't look at it. I'm going to go take a shower. Yeah. Andy's neighbors are currently um, calling the police to do a wellness check on him in, in his shower. <laughs> He's always in that shower. Oh, my face hurts from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Okay. The 500,000 thing is kind of nudging me one way. And I'm going to tell you why. I think that ELP ripped off their fans by doing that, you know, from the cover on down. I've never rooted for the record company before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they fucked over Atlantic Records. <laughs> ELP, as I said earlier, like they wrote some songs that you could kind of grab onto, you know? Fuck yeah, dude. And they, they should know better. And this guy it was just a moron, and you didn't expect anything from him. Uh, his greasy French fry clan hood is really pissing me off. <laughs> it does look like the kind of thing that would line some fried clams, like the, the plate where you yeah. put the clams onto that and then serve it. Yeah, like you dried off the grease off the fries and then served them like special fries. You get, you know, yeah. you get in, you get on the on the Jersey Shore, right? Right. Have you had Johnny Z's fries, huh? Oh, <laughs> got this special salt from the ocean. It's Sunday, and you realize that your car is leaking fluid, and you can't get it to your mechanic by Monday, so you just have to put something down on the driveway to catch it all. That's what it looks like. I throw this on. Yeah. So now I'm mad at him. All right, let's get this fucking over with. Um, on, yeah, serious survey. <laughs> I'm gonna say the the ELP guys did more damage to, to society. They sold more records. It's a it's yeah. a terrible song. I'm torn there on this go. one, you guys. I can see how you would be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with ELP only because I think they ripped their fans off. Like they were they were probably expecting a great album and they got that shit. They they did not get that. Yeah, the rap guy is just sort of like in his own little cocoon of sadness. <laughs> so there you go, George. Take it away, George. Take a lap. The winner takes it all. Grease, fries, grease, fries, grease, fries. <laughs> driveway, driveway, stain, stain, stain. Protruding dick, protruding dick. Face east, face east. <laughs> <laughs> Love beach. <laughs> uh, By the way, where I'm was gonna... that lyric? Facing east towards Love Beach. Right. I'm going to go on Etsy after this show, and I'm going to find a T-shirt with that image on it, and I'm going to buy it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to wear it. Just wear Love Beach. Around. Hey, did you catch Love Beach, bro? Oh yeah, a beach hit. Love. What is that shirt you're wearing? It's Love Beach. What? Are you, what's wrong? Yeah. Duh. <laughs> like you don't know. If you see a a, a Lone Ranger Lone shirt Ranger. while you're there, pick me up one. All right. Well, let's move along here. Now, here's sure. a little little something that Aaron helped me with this. We reprogrammed Majel. Oh. And so Yay. one of her many jobs on this program is to introduce the sorbets. 
And we went in and we're we're beta testing her new programming. So let's see what she has to say as we as we lead into the sorbet section. Here we go. Sorbet. A glistening drop of retzin. <laughs> retzin. Certs with retzin. <laughs> chemical. It's horrible. Oh, it's so funny. I love it. Glistening drop of retzin. <laughs> so, Majel, we're going to need to do like 75 more episodes before we get through all the new Majel drops. <laughs> we got a lot more. That must yeah. have been fun recording that, huh, Aaron? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we had an ass ton of them. Did you come up with them together or did you just write them? Yeah, Damon wrote a bunch and then I added a few at the end. And there, I think there were a few uh, in the moment. They're barking out from behind her. Say this. All right. So, sorbet o'clock for the lads. Thank God. We're going to go back to a little year that we call 1970, 70. And I got some stuff to say about it, but uh, let's just start it and see how it goes. I can understand how it might be kind of hard for you to love a girl like me. Anyone know this one? No, but I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> or recognize her voice. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if you guys can get it. Let's keep going. Wanted you to know that I loved you better than your own kin did from the very start. Check out the very sparse arrangement. It's this singer, still not going to say her name, on piano, upright bass, and a drummer. And of course, there's an overdubbed orchestra, it sounds like, later. But it's just yeah. this little trio, and uh, it just sounds so good. Is it Roberta Flack? Yes, good one, George. Yeah, yeah. okay. The uh, the bass seems like it's like, uh, like collapsing along with that fucking kick. It's so fucking rad. They're just so locked in. Yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Roberta Flack with a song called Do What You Gotta Do. And, you know, Roberta had a ton of hits. The first time ever I saw your face, Killing yeah. Me Softly with his song, Feel Like Making Love, Where Is the Love? And The Closer I Get to You. I mean, we grew up listening to her music, right? Yeah. But this song I never heard before. And I will tell you, the namesake of Gubernatorial turned me on to this song, my sister. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you a little more about it, but let's get into the chorus here. Yeah. It's my own fault. What happens to my heart? I've always known you'd go and do do what you gotta do. My wild sweet love. Wow. <laughs> I saw her doing this, she and the, and the band, the three of them, doing this uh, the next year, 1971, at Montreux uh, Jazz Festival. Mm, yeah. It sounds exactly like this. Even better. She's even in better voice at that show. And she's playing piano. I mean, this. I think these three are recording this live in the studio. 
you know? Sure they are. Yeah. With maybe even like a couple mics in the room because the, the drums just sound like they're sort of distant, mm. but fucking love it. And then she's just nailing it. Yeah. It's, it's fucking everything that doesn't exist in those other two songs. We're listening to. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way she's moving. And, yeah, yeah. And just everybody gives a fuck who's sitting in that room. The mics give a fuck. Like, everybody <laughs> gives a fuck. Yeah. All right, we'll go a little bit further, because this is actually a pretty short song, and uh, I'll tell you a little more about it. So here we go. Though it may mean that I'll never kiss those sweet lips again. Pay that no man. Find that baffled dream of yours. Come on back and see. Yeah. <laughs> um, song written by our pal and professional songwriter, Jimmy Webb. Mm, yep. Yeah. And, you know, I was reminded of the MacArthur Park song because it took a soul singer to come along and make that song listenable. Right. You know, because Donna Summer did it and it was good, right? Yeah. In comparison, it had some it had some action. I mean, the other one is is funny as an artifact, perhaps, but like... Well, there's a reason it was a torture song, for sure. Right. <laughs> but, um, so this one was originally recorded by Johnny Rivers. And you guys mm. remember him. He he mm-hmm. had a ton yeah. of hits in the late 60s. And he, he's fine. I don't really care when his songs come on the radio, like on, the, on oldies or whatever. He's just boring to me. Then Al Wilson, a soul singer, did an R&B version of it that same year had a hit with that and then nina simone came along and did it the next year 1968 now here's Mm. what i found interesting because i listened to many versions of this song the johnny the it's it's unrecognizable to what what roberta's doing with it it's just sort of a up-tempo pop song nothing interesting about it the melody there's i don't understand how she was able to extract this melody out of his you know kind of white bread version al wilson's just doing a slightly more soulful version of johnny river's version and then I thought, well, Nina must have done this kind of thing. And then Roberta just kind of took Nina's arrangement. No, even Nina Simone, who I love, didn't really do anything with this song. So then Roberta basically rewrote this fucking song. I feel like it sounds like it's so interesting to me because what this sounds like to me is that it's like it's like a Sunday afternoon. And this woman is is she had a real rough Friday and Saturday dealing with the breakup and is now in that like. It's not even numb. It's she's coming back up on the other side, but is still just sort of like ruefully saying, I'm just never going to kiss that person again. It's tough to take. Yeah. It's tough to reckon with that fact, just that fact right there. And like, never smell them again, never going to kiss them again. They're going to be far enough away so that those things are impossible. Yeah. She changed the entire, she didn't really change the lyrics other than making it, you know, changing the, the gender. But mm-hmm. she changed it from like this, if you read these lyrics and think about Johnny Rivers singing it, it's sort of like one of those kind of, I'm one of those ramblers, you know, I can't be tied down, toots. Right. And I knew you would want to leave. But, <laughs> but, uh, but she, it's like Johnny Rivers, you're no Mac Davis guy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but then uh, Roberta came along and just turned it into this sort of like stab through the heart kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm claiming she rewrote the song. Uh, in 1970, and then from the ones I found, and some very prominent, talented people covered after that. Glenn Campbell did it in 85, Linda Ronstadt did it in 93, and a bunch of other people. I heard the Fifth Dimension did it at some point. But it's almost as if once people heard Roberta's version, they they kind of changed the, the arrangement over to her version, which was yeah. so much more soulful and so much more poignant. 
I don't know how she unearthed this fucking song out of the Johnny Rivers. If you want to annoy yourself, go listen to his and go, how did she do this? How did she pull this magnificent ballad out of that stupid song? I just, you can't detect one bit of the same and song. And why did you? Like, I mean, I think that, like, it might be enough that, like, Jimmy Webb's done some strange things in his career, or was responsible for some strange things, but he also wrote incredible songs and yeah. incredible lyrics. And so on the power of that, someone like Roberta Flack could be like, there's some men here, like those lyrics are great. I'd like to find a song of his that I could do. Well, what would be more heroic than taking one that somebody's already took a dump on <laughs> and saving, you know, she's doing the Lord's work. Yep. Damon, did, did Jimmy Webb comment on that? Cause I'd love to know his perspective. Cause he surely went through the same thing. It's like, well, I wrote this song and I'm sure he didn't love the Johnny Rivers version of it or. And then this is so different. And I so- didn't see it. Like even on the, the Wikipedia page for the song, a bunch of other versions get prominence, and hers is just kind of a throwaway. Other artists who cover the songs is a big paragraph of other people, and she's just yeah. thrown in there, which is unfortunate because this this one should get kind of yeah. a place of prominence and when you talk about this song, for sure. This song makes me want to be young again, fall in love, break up, and feel better after I hear this song. <laughs> and cry over your toothbrush. Exactly. Yes, totally. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, let's go. I love that line. They got ways to make you feel no good. I'm the one who made you feel good. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, like, sort of like, she's kind of okay with it, though. You know, like, she's just saying, like, it, what's too bad about this? Here's, like, five things. Yeah. <laughs> and she's listing them off. And, like, but in the end, that's the way it is. And, like, you know, next weekend, I will be just, you know, seven days better. Mm. But I'm not, but not over you. You know, and a week after that, it'll be a little bit better. And she's almost, I don't think she ever says that in the song, but in the lyrics, she's implying, I told you this was going to happen. Right. And like telling herself too, though. And herself, right. go back and listen to Roberta Flack songs now just based on this song you know because like I said we grew up listening to uh I feel like making love you know like all those songs and they were just kind of so background many, yeah. yeah yeah but they're background music I was I never disliked Roberta Flack I just never thought too much about her now I'm like she could do this holy shit I'm going back and and diving into her catalog and especially these early albums this is her second album called uh uh chapter two I believe and so I'd be curious to hear all these early stuff because she was known for covering other people's stuff. I don't, I'm not even sure if she did write her own music. I mean, talk about an interpreter of music, right? Yeah. yeah to, especially to save it like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's can't believe this wasn't used. Like we were, we were talking about on and on in those uh, records Aaron was listening to from soundtracks. And I'm surprised this wasn't used. Talk about walking around in New York and feeling bad. I mean, yeah. 
That's right. the visual that goes with this. <laughs> right. It'd be a sweet, heroic yeah. move by someone, yeah. you listening, yeah. Quentin, mm -hmm. to do yeah. something cool with music like this. I'm glad you guys brought that up. This has been used recently, but probably in a very corny way. Mm. There was a, a docuseries that was, I guess, quite popular called Harry and Meghan about the, I guess, oh, the yeah. former royal couple. <laughs> yeah. Episode five, this Roberta's version was used. I think that might even have been where my sister heard it. So I, I can't imagine they were going for some deep knife in the heart kind of emotion. They were probably just, I don't know. I can't, I can't say I didn't see it. I didn't see the scene where, where they used it. What's well, cool of them, like fucking good on that fucking music supervisor, dude. Yeah, right. Of all the bullshit they could get, especially for that dreck. And they yeah. fucking used a dope cut. Yeah. You know, that's a, an astonishing move. Like that person deserves a fucking award. I just liked you guys describing it as like Tarantino or someone using it in a very in a much heavier way. I'm sure theirs right. is very like lightweight, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, there's still time. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> when, is, right? when we do the uh, Bond movie, we can just, just drop it in there. Yeah. yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you guys heard, but we're not only writing the song and the screenplay, we're directing it as well. <laughs> we're on the crew. I'm best boy. I'm gripping that shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm set decking it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On and do Yeah, go check out the live one because it's like you get a better feel for her keyboard playing, which is sort of mixed down here. I was reading about her background. She uh, she grew up like in gospel and everything, but then she trained in music as well. And she was a music teacher. And so, I mean, she's just just seems like she's way more has way more wide scope of talent than the because we just think of her as a singer. Right. And then when you watch her play the, the keyboard live while giving a performance like this, even better live, by the way, she's very impressive to me. I think people who fucking know soul music fucking get like the scope of where she's coming from. Like as much as I love funk and R&B and as much as I think I know about it, I'm a fucking novice student of, of the deepness, you know, and, and I think that when people you get people who really have it together, they know about her. Like that's the name that I hear. But like it's. It's more contemplative than sometimes when I'm in an R&B mood, I want to get a little bit raunchier or whatever. But like, it's just so achingly beautiful, you know, like it's, 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 this is like, uh, and I mean this in a good way, like a Carpenter's flavor ballad, like sad heartbreak, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just like so fucking heavy in a, in a really lovely way though, you know? Yep. And you know that's not going to happen, you know? Oh, no way. It's not going to happen, but, like, I, I got to put it out there. I'm sure in Johnny Rivers' uh, thing, it had it was it was a little bit more, like, a little bit more cheek in it. But with this, is like, rueful. Like, I know I'm saying this, but it's an empty gesture to say it. It's also a weird emotion that she expressed, but just by saying that one line, which is she's sort of talking herself off the ledge throughout all the entire lyrics. Like, right. I knew this was going to happen, 
I knew you were like this in the first place, you know, even though I treated you so great. Like she, she's feeling strong and, and confident that she knows what went down. And then she, she just opens the door to a crack of weakness. But you can always come back if you want to, you know? Right, right, right. She can't help herself. It's a great little punchline, I think. Yeah, yeah. I know two guys that like this song. I'm guaranteeing you is Daryl Hall and John Oates. <laughs> yeah. There's something about this that's reminding me of um, Every Time You Go Away. I know that's Paul Young who made it popular. Yeah. But something about it is reminding me of that, the way it is or something, the mood of it. I yeah. can see that for sure. Yeah. That's what I mean, Georgie, is like the people who know, like people who are real down, dirty fucking students of shit and came up in the generally the same time, you know, yeah. can can have a deeper knowledge of it. And I, th- you know, I know that Daryl Hall's coming from that place for sure. That's an totally. excellent poll. Yeah. yeah. Only, a, what, 30 seconds left. Here we go. I, I also kudos to the arranger who did the strings because they're very subtle. Yeah, it's a light touch. It, it really seems like they're just like they're supporting Roberta. Like they did it later. Yeah, <laughs> she right. didn't sing to them; they played to her. Right, and that that drummer is making that snare pay. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> he's on it like he's like it's hard to play restrained like that, Damon. You know that. Like, the oh yeah, just want to go faster, and but you got to stay right there, and you got to that. That's the that's the hit that matters because it's all you really get. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, to say that you're there, you know, and. And yeah, he's he's really doing a good job of that. I think he's got that wrist snap too going. Yep, yep, he does. Quack. All right. Did not expect that ending at all. That's a big flourishy Vegas kind of ending. Yeah, did not expect that ending at all. I'm like, wait, wait, what are they doing here? Like, <laughs> well, again, it it pretty much sums up them the uh, the notion that they're doing it live, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The three of them in the room. Yeah, for sure. So there you go, boys. A little Roberta Flack. Excellent, Damon. Excellent. Got flacked. We did get flacked. <laughs> Uh, Roberta Flack, and do what you got to do, 1970. Go watch the live version at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Go Flack yourself. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. You, dear listeners, have been flacked as well by the Gitmo Bros. And this has been episode 61 of Ear and Loathing. We are the number one rockers forever. Don't ever forget that. Still. Someday we're going to make it into the the metal rap song as one of the influencers (laughs) of heavy metal music. And let me right. tell you about the Gitmo Bros. <laughs> and then in 22 came the Gitmo Bros. <laughs> Way to think of a terrible song for a terrible rhyme for throws. And the baseball players makes knots of throws. And then in 22 came the Gitmo Bros. Like, I don't know what it like. That was too good, George. That's not Johnny Z material. That's not, sorry. You yeah. can't. You have to, it, it'd be way more involved. A longer word than just the one syllable. You're right. Probably resettle somehow. Yes, resettle. Right. Can you do that? <laughs> They're going to make you laugh from your head to your toes. <laughs> no, it's still too, no, it's still too good. No. <laughs> to have some tequila, then maybe come at it again. Put on your clan hood and go to town. <laughs> your French fry face and see if you can make it work. <laughs> 
All right, guys, this has been a fun episode, uh, episode 61, and we were glad you were here to join us. Write to us and say hi and tell us what you think of the of the episodes. And I guess we'll see you on episode 62 next time. Say goodbye, fellas. I bid you adieu. <laughs> uh, used properly for once on this show. Yeah, right. Ear and a George, I don't need shit like this in my life. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I don't I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye.